Hi, my name's India. This is Be More Orca, Buck the Menopause. Now, I'm not a medic, or an expert, or a celebrity. I'm just going through it myself. I was totally blindsided by my symptoms. I knew nothing about this stage of my life. And then I discovered neither did any of my friends. So I'm on a mission to find out everything I can, explore every avenue to help us manage our symptoms and get our lives back on track. We've all heard the horror stories of GPs dismissing menopausal symptoms and women being gaslit or refused treatment. Understandably, women can be put off from going to get help. In this episode, Dr Katie discusses how things are slowly changing and how it's up to us to do our homework and take ownership of our treatment and to not be afraid to state what it is we want. We need to become the experts in our own menopause. It's lovely to have you back, Dr. Katie. Hi, India. Now, today, we're talking about GPs. And a lot of women, if we're honest, feel a bit let down by the level of knowledge around the menopause in their local surgeries. And I think the horror stories that we hear lead to a fear of discussing your symptoms with your GP. I think that's quite true. And I think there's negative views on both sides. So healthcare professionals and patients. So GPs, I'm one of them. I qualified as a GP in 2006. And your training is generalist. So you've got to know a lot about everything. You've got to be able to treat the newborn baby right through to the elderly gentleman and manage all different systems. So you cannot know every topic in great detail. You have to recognise where your own limitations lie. And as GPs, that's the skill of what can I manage safely and what can I not manage because I've exhausted my knowledge base? I think the other thing to say is that we've had a lack of specialists that we could refer to previously. And menopause very much was at the GP's door and you had to get on and deal with it. When actually cases are more complicated now, we've got women wanting to use HRT in older years, women with coexisting medical problems, and maybe it's not so straightforward as perhaps it was for some GPs 20, 30 years ago. Combined with that, we've then got this ground in negativity about HRT because of breast cancer risk from those studies that we've previously talked about. And I think when you've been practicing for many, many years, and that was all very scary in the early part of the 21st century, that message often doesn't get easily undone by healthcare professionals. You've got lack of confidence sometimes in knowing what's right and what the evidence is and being able to safely recommend treatments more complex women presenting saying, help me here, I want some treatment, but also women being quite fearful when they've been dismissed previously by a healthcare professional and then being frightened to go back. So lots of different reasons why it's it's a tricky one. It's not all doom and gloom, though, is it? There is light at the end of the tunnel. And one of your many hats is providing training to healthcare professionals. So can you outline what training GPs can now get? About half the medical schools in the country will offer an element of menopause training for their medical students. That's the first thing. It should be mandatory and it should be across the board. You should have that seed of knowledge planted. Even if you become an orthopaedic surgeon, knowing about menopause is key because actually you might have a loved one or a colleague that you could support and encourage to get help in whatever role you're playing as a healthcare professional. And it does affect 50% of the population. So is it not now? Is it literally just if you are a gynae? 
any medical student that you get knowledge and understanding of it? No. So a lot of medical schools now, and and the studies suggest about 50% of this is part of the core medical school training. So this is before you've decided what specialist route you're going to go down. Your basic medical training that covers every aspect of medicine, theory, practical, has that session. And I lecture to Oxford University medical students in their fifth year, and they have an hour with me to go through menopause, nuts and bolts, and plant the knowledge. I mean, you think an hour is not very much, is it? That's exactly what I thought. I thought, oh, that all really? How much do they get on different aspects of uh, people's health? Well, in some circumstances, that's all they get for other things, because you've got a hell of a lot to cover in your six-year degree. So it's about getting the right information at the right stage. If you're a GP trainee, you can actually get to the end of your GP training, or you could when I did general practice training without doing any obstetrics and gynecology. You could choose a training scheme without that as a core component, which is quite surprising, I think, when you think 50% of your cohort are going to be female. However, in order to have your sign off as a GP, you have to have covered all the aspects of general practice. So when you're in your specialist GP years where you're based as a GP trainee in general practice placements, that element would be covered and recognised if that hadn't been covered in a hospital setting. You would then have applicable training in your GP role. The difficulty is, is that that's often a very basic level. So there's an awareness of what's going on, but not necessarily the more advanced knowledge that allows you to manage more complex women and do the specialist kind of menopause work that not just me as a menopause specialist would do, but other elements of menopause knowledge that's a bit beyond general practice. So that's the training that you do get at the moment. In terms of what I offer, so I am a British Menopause Society accredited trainer. So having been through the specialist training to be an accredited specialist, I've also done some training to be a trainer. So you have to understand the ways in which you can support people learning and do reflective practice and assessments in a way that encourages learning and development. So I have at the moment three GPs. They are all working in women's health in community settings, but also are GPs, just day-to-day GPs. And they are all undertaking a certificate of menopause care with the British Menopause Society. So they are extending their existing menopause and gynecology knowledge specifically to have more advanced knowledge in that area of menopause. That sounds amazing. Is that voluntary? Have they thought, I don't have enough knowledge? As actually my wonderful GP, he said to me when I was talking to him about my HRT needs, I said, you're very knowledgeable. And he said, well, I realised I was a 30-year-old man and I didn't know anything. So I thought I need to find out about this really important aspect. And I thought, that's wonderful. So are these GP GPs voluntarily coming to you or is this something that more and more GPs are now realising needs to be done? So the level of training I'm undertaking with these GPs is at at quite a specialist level. I would say it's above and beyond what most GPs would need. These GPs are all working in a community women's health hub. So they're encountering referrals from primary care for specialist cases. So they need that enhanced knowledge to be able to have a full scope of more specialist women's health. Having said that, the online training that they do as part of this, the webinars and the online course is a useful course for anybody, whether you're a practice nurse, pharmacist, healthcare, a physician, doctor, gynecologist, that gives you a basic grounding of the theory and knowledge, which you can then apply in practice. And we do find, particularly with the theory course, a lot of doctors will attend that, not do any of the more specialist practical training, but they're armed with that extra information from that training course to be able to apply it to the women presenting to them in primary care. Well, that's really good to hear, isn't it? Because they do need to have more knowledge about what affects so many of us. Not every woman suffers 
as badly, but it is something that GPs need to step up and, as you say, move away from the old ideas of HRT and how dangerous it is. And it now feels as though women are slightly more knowledgeable than their GPs in certain cases. I think a lot of that is the time. Social media and technology has really revolutionised how we think about menopause because we've got these fantastic resources we can access at the touch of a button. There's online questionnaires, there's symptom trackers, there's apps, there's things that allow women to really add those vague symptoms up and say, hang on a minute, is this perimenopause? And I think the difficulty having been a doctor for many, many years is it's a bit like being Inspector Morse and having a, a crime scene in front of you. You don't solve it in five minutes at that first consultation. But when that woman presents with a few different symptoms over a course of time, that starts the hang on a minute, I don't think this is depression. I don't think this is a primary musculoskeletal problem. She's mentioned insomnia, anxiety, joint pains, there's something that fits this. This could be perimenopause. But often if you come completely cold to your GP with no information whatsoever other than here are my symptoms and you haven't actually had that thought yourself, it's often quite difficult also for your GP to have that thought. And it's wrong to assume everyone's menopausal when they present with vague symptoms. And that's where, because we don't have a test at our fingertips, you know, we love blood tests that tell us what to do. It really makes our lives really easy. But menopause doesn't fit that, which is really frustrating. So that's where doing your homework as a patient and looking at those questionnaires and those tools and quite happily going along saying, look, I've printed out this menopause questionnaire. It's got 30 points and I'm ticking 20 of them. Do you think this could be menopause? And allowing your GP to have that time frame to look through that information. And it might not be solving your problem at that first appointment, but then going back and saying actually, I think it could be. There's a few things we need to think about and perhaps exclude other serious medical conditions. But then we need to think about whether this is menopause and manage that appropriately. Well, that's one thing I was going to say. So what can we do as women thinking, oh, is this, isn't this, which I think everyone does in perimenopause, what can we do to get the best out of a visit to the GP so that we can feel in control and that you're not going to get gaslit? Jen Brister, who I spoke to, she was saying that there was four years where she was told, go away, you're too young, when she was falling apart. So how how do we arm ourselves? The first thing is write down a list of your symptoms, whether that's in one of those fancy questionnaires, an app, and track things for a couple of months because there's trends that you look at. And particularly if you've got no change in your periods and no hot flushes and sweats, it's more difficult for your healthcare professional to have that seed of thought of this could be menopause. So look at those useful apps and print them out. I had a lady yesterday who came to my private clinic armed with her printout from three months of tracking. And it was just brilliant for me. I mean, I'm a menopause specialist, so I knew she was coming to see me because she thought she was menopausal. But I could see how her symptoms were linked with her cycle and the fluctuation in those symptoms over a month, even though she was still having regular monthly periods. And yes, she was a little bit younger. She was in her early 40s. But I got a feel that this wasn't just normal work-life stress or something going on at home, there was something else triggering this. So look at your symptoms, track them with your periods, note changes, 
talk to your friends and family about whether they've noticed anything change in you. Because the thing with menopause is it's not something that's affected you since your teens and your 20s in general. It's you've been well and then something has changed. And one of the questions I always ask my patients is, when did you feel well-being changed? When did you notice a change in your symptoms and how you were feeling? Was that associated with anything going on in your life or was this completely unpredictable? And I think a lot of women, particularly over the COVID-19 pandemic, have assumed that that was the cause of their symptoms and actually they were heading into menopause and that just happened to be coincidental. So go armed with all that information. The other thing I would say is that for some GPs, time is really difficult because you want to be able to give time to your patients. I think there's a lot of negativity at the moment about women being dismissed, but actually it's quite difficult as a GP sometimes to feel like you've done a good job when you've got so many patients on your clinic list. So have an expectation that this might be a two, three appointment project. Yeah, that's nice to think you sow the seed and then you can come back rather than I've been dismissed, I'm not going back for another year. Absolutely. And I think the first thing to say is ask the receptionist who the best person in the practice to speak to is. It may not be the GP. It might be that practice nurse who's a prescriber who did a training course with me six months ago and had six hours of menopause training and is armed with all the information she needs to be able to manage you with some support from her GP colleagues. It might be that you've got a trainee GP who's actually just done six months of gynecology and spent three or four weeks in a menopause clinic because they had a special interest. The receptionist will know exactly who that person is because they will have asked that person about their own menopause if they're menopausal and they will be tapping that doctor or that nurse or that trainee for information on a day-to-day basis so they will know who best to approach. That's the first thing. And if necessary, use these e-consult facilities, the email facilities, because the one thing that that's really changed the way in GPs work, particularly over the pandemic when we were, we had to go very much online and virtual, is you've got an ability to get information from a patient and have time to process it as a doctor rather than that snippet that you're sat in front of the doctor and maybe send information back. Yes, I think this could be menopausal. Could you possibly fill this questionnaire? Have you looked at this website? Have a look at these resources. Here's some information about therapeutic options. When you've had a time to read that, I'll book you an appointment on this day in a few weeks time. I want you to come in and we can have a chat about it or we can speak on the phone, whatever works for you. I did do the e-consult because it was in the middle of lockdown and that was the only way you could get. And I was really impressed. Obviously, something in me said I need to do the menopause e-consult, but the questions were really thorough and they made me think about things. And actually, at the end of it, I came away going, oh, Okay, yeah, no, I think I think it might be. That's a really nice tip. The other thing your GP can do is often send you text messages with questionnaires attached and then you can send them back in advance of that appointment. So my view, both as a doctor from one side, but also as a patient accessing healthcare, which I do occasionally, is give your GP or whoever that is, whether it's the practice nurse, the physician's associate, time to get that information on board. It's very difficult in 10 minutes. You can't really do an effective menopause consultation in 10 minutes. You've got so much to cover. You barely touch the surface in terms of symptoms. So the more information you can give your healthcare professional about what symptoms you want to talk about, the more information you can give about what you think might be going on, and also your 
more choices about possible treatment options. That then allows a far more effective consultation. And you've got this efficient use of time when you physically get there. Yeah. And we're not GP bashing in any way. We realise how incredibly stretched they are and what a difficult job they have to do. But what would be your advice if you were coming up against a blanket no, I'm not going to prescribe to you? I would say there's usually never a blanket no. You're coming from a very nice GP's point of view. I have heard on this pod, we have spoken to several people who said their GPs just went, no, that outdated opinion of HRT. HRT is dangerous. You obviously haven't done your research. I'm not going to prescribe it to you. Then you just have to have the confidence to say, I want to see a second opinion. 100%. I would say there isn't a practice normally with one person in it that you can see and you have no choice. That's when you really tap the receptionist and say, really didn't get the answers I wanted. Is there someone else I can talk to? And actually, you know, for some patients, it's a no because there's the lack of confidence from that healthcare professional side of the knowledge to be able to safely prescribe. And there might be a complex medical issue and they feel it's a no-no because of previous incorrect advice that they've been given or invalid evidence from many, many years ago that's now turned on its head. And you have a right to say, I'm not happy with that. I believe I could try something. Please, can you refer me if you think I've got some specialist medical conditions that need further input from someone with more knowledge about menopause? And you shouldn't feel it's a brick wall gone up. It should be actually, is there someone else I could be seen by that could give me that information? I get letters all the time in my community gynecology NHS role from doctors saying, I've told this lady she can't have HRT, but she's insistent in coming to see you. And please, will you just tell her that I'm right? And I see her and well, actually, no, I disagree. But you know, I'm not going to write back to that GP saying you're completely wrong. I'll write a very supportive letter back saying, actually, this isn't true anymore. We know that this regime would be safe for these reasons. And then that GP hopefully has that learning episode from my letter back to then prevent the same thing happening again in the future. So as you've just touched on this community gynaecology hub that Oxfordshire has set up, and hopefully that will be rolled out nationally, we hope. Hopefully. That's the next step, isn't it? So the idea that you get referred for more specialist treatment, is that a postcode lottery? Are we incredibly lucky where we are? That Yeah. I mean, there's a few cropping up around the country and actually this is a bigger plan nationally to try and deliver women's health care in a far more equitable way. There's lots of different hubs working in different ways across the country. So some providing all aspects of women's health, some doing a bit more like we're doing in Oxfordshire, so non-contraceptive services, but going ecology that can be managed in primary care. And I think it's moving away from that model where we before we had primary care GPs and secondary care gynecologists. And it's it's basically saying not everybody needs a gynecologist. You can have a local community-based women's healthcare hub where you've got GP specialists invariably, people like me, who have different degrees of knowledge about women's health. So you might have a menopause specialist but you might also have someone who's done two or three years as a gynecology trainee and then decided to become a GP, but actually is phenomenally skilled in managing problems like heavy periods or pelvic pain or doctors that can fit contraceptive devices, doctors that can fit Mirena coils as part of HRT, whereas that might not be offered by a particular practice if they've not got anyone working in that surgery with that skill set. I was shocked at how few people could do my merino when I had it. I expected just to be able to nip in and the nurse in the surgery would do it. But no, it was a specialist clinic that I had to go to. 
Yeah, there's a specific diploma we have to undertake with advanced training to be able to fit coils and also for contraceptive implants as well, because there's risks associated. It's a complex procedure that you've got to know what you're doing. So I think the community settings are a fantastic idea. They're locality based, so you're not having to travel miles to your secondary care hospital. And invariably, they are staffed in the majority by GP specialists. So GPs with a special interest. Now, this doesn't just apply to women's health. This is cropping up in other areas like dermatology, cardiology. You've got GP specialists who've got a little interest in that particular area which they've expanded and we've often worked in secondary care hospitals with gynecology teams to acquire that knowledge. So would you be able to say to your GP can you find out if we have a women's health hub that I could be referred to? Yes definitely and actually it might not be in your local area now but it might be coming in the near future that's the other thing to say. And do you know how many there are nationally? I know that there's at least six at the moment if not more But the view is that this is expanding. I'm being approached to share learning about how Oxfordshire has been established because the service was launched in 2020. It was originally a pilot and it was evident that we were managing women very efficiently. So that's where it's expanded. And we've incorporated menopause services because when I join the service and I sort of oversee the service, I'm the clinical lead. So part of my role isn't just providing menopause sessions to patients with menopause issues, but also managing the service and ensuring the service is delivering high quality care and also looking opportunities in which we could improve what we're offering to women. So that's when menopause came on board. So this frees up GPs time as well, doesn't it? So it is a model that the government should be pushing forward because it's massively beneficial for women that they get to see a specialist in their local area. But it stops GPs having to deal with something that they may not feel comfortable dealing with. Absolutely. And I mean, you've got GP practices where some of the GPs that work with me in community gynaecology are jobbing GPs in practices and their level of women's health knowledge is exceptional. So they may well just manage their patients themselves without needing to refer them on. But that's where if you've got a practice without that specialist GP or without someone with that enhanced knowledge, having the opportunity to then have a local service where you can get that information or advice, sometimes it's just advice, sometimes it's assessment, but also having a level of referral where perhaps patients are then directed to the right service. So we don't manage all the referrals. There'll be cases that come through and we say, actually, this is outside our scope of expertise. This does need a secondary care gynecology referral and we will pass that referral on. But we don't deal with any cancer referrals. That all goes on a separate pathway. This is more non-urgent, non-cancer gynecology that we're dealing with. So it's a sort of halfway house between GPs and the specialists. Spot on, yeah. We just have to hope that this does get rolled out soon. When you say in the near future, you think, you know, I feel very lucky to be in Oxfordshire now. But if I was listening and there wasn't one in my local area, I'd be thinking, mm, how do I how do I access this? And I think is that what is making women turn to private healthcare for their menopause because there is a lack of NHS specialist clinics? Partly, I certainly agree with that. I meet women in my private clinic who are frustrated by waiting times. So they may be waiting for a specialist menopause clinic and it's a nine month wait. And, you know, that's the difference between some women having a functioning personal life and work life and them not. And so they will be very proactive and say, I'm not prepared to wait. I'm going to find a service I can get 
quick access to. And usually women have waited quite a long time before they get themselves to a point where they think this has got so bad, I've got to go and see someone about this. So the idea of then being told you've made that decision, you think I'm going to go and see my GP. And then you think, well, hang on a minute, I've got a nine month wait. That can be the cliff edge that you don't want to fall off. And the other thing is, is it's the time element is, I would say, what drives private practice predominantly. I offer women up to an hour for their first consultation. And and really, from my perspective as a clinician, it's immensely rewarding because I really, really get to the bottom of what's going on. And women have ample time to ask every question that there is. And you reach the end of the consultation and say, do you have any more questions? And knowing that someone's listened to you and really understood where you're coming from, but also given you choice. And that's the thing with menopause care. It should be personalized, individualized care with choice. And I think that's impossible to deliver in a 10 minute GP consultation. You have to have that option to give women information and go and process and then come back in the NHS to create a similar positive impact on the satisfaction from both sides. So most women will see me privately for the time I give them, but also continuity. So when you see a private physician, you normally stick with that private physician. You have a choice about seeing that particular individual. So if women build a rapport with one particular person, They've then got the confidence they're going to see that person again and again and again for their reviews, which maybe isn't so easy to achieve in the NHS for many, many reasons. And just touch briefly on, do you think blood tests are a good idea? There's a lot said about people go privately and they have constant blood tests and the expense of that and the idea that it's meant to be the perfect thing you can do, then you know exactly where your hormones are. What's your view on blood tests? Should people be asking for blood tests from their GPs? The simple answer is no. But it's never quite a no, is it? Menopause generally is not diagnosed on a blood test and treatment is not guided by a blood test. If you're over 45, it's not helpful. Your hormone levels, your FSH, follicle stimulating hormone that's stimulating your ovaries every month to develop a follicle and produce an egg is varied from day one to day 30 of whatever your cycle is. In addition, the levels fluctuate around perimenopause. So they're not a useful tool and it can actually give false reassurance to women that they're still fertile is is often what I hear. You know, my FSH is still normal. I've still got a chance. And actually the same applies of measuring estrogen levels. They vary and you can have a blood test at nine o'clock and two o'clock in the same day in the afternoon, the level will be completely different. They're useful to guide treatment when we've maybe got women who are using HRT and it's not being effective or women who are very young who are maybe wanting to ensure they're absorbing enough estrogen to protect their bone health so that we're reducing that risk of bone density loss. But they're a very small group and in general, we shouldn't be doing hormonal blood tests to diagnose or formulate a management plan. I was going to say, actually, I've heard the opposite where people have been given blood tests told you're fine, you're not menopausal, look at your blood test, you're not menopausal, where they're absolutely falling apart with the perimenopausal symptoms. So it can sort of work both ways. And that's why they're not really recommended because you get this normal blood test back and say, well, this woman's not menopausal. Well, no, her menopause blood test says she isn't, but she's still having periods. So it will be normal. You know, your follicle stimulating hormone level tends to go up very, very late on in menopause. So you've had often many years of symptoms before that becomes apparent. 
treatment. So that's why it's an unreliable tool to diagnose or exclude menopause. You can't say it's normal, this isn't menopause. The caveat to that is very young women under 40, where we would want abnormalities in their blood levels to be suggestive of that diagnosis. And that's probably the group that we would say is completely different. The other group where blood tests are helpful are women wanting to use testosterone. So we do check testosterone levels before treatment to make sure that it's safe to initiate treatment. Because if a woman's sitting naturally high on their baseline testosterone and we give testosterone, side effects are more likely. We generally monitor it six to eight weeks after starting and that's to check the dosing is safe and then six to 12 monthly thereafter to make sure that women are staying in the normal female range and therefore side effects are minimised. So that's a different niche area of menopause where blood tests do help in terms of monitoring and guiding treatment. Okay, that's interesting. I've just started testosterone. So yes, I did have a blood test. I had a phone consultation with the local clinic, but it wasn't the gynecological hub, actually. It was my local menopause clinic. And she said to me, uh, oh, your levels are normal. And I remember thinking, oh no, does that mean you're not going to give me testosterone? And what she meant was not abnormally high. So therefore, we can give you testosterone. I see. Right. And what do you think the NHS should be doing for women over, let's say over the age of 40? I know you feel that it should be younger, but is there something that you wish the NHS would do? So there was this idea of having a women's health check. And I think the, the thought would this be at 45 plus, but my argument would be you've missed the boat for a lot of women. And I think there's real merit to having some form of women's health review over the age of 40. I mean, you can have NHS health checks or you could have an NHS health check. But that was really looking more at cardiovascular risk. So are you diabetic? What's your cholesterol? Is your blood pressure okay? Do you smoke? I always like to use the opportunity when I see women who are coming to me for menopause advice to really do a whole person assessment, because often these women may have not been seen by a doctor very much since they had their children. So they might have had 20 years of quite happily running their normal busy lives with their family, and then they present with menopause. And it's a great opportunity to talk about not just things that they really do need, like breast screening, if it's appropriate, or cervical screening, but also what is their blood pressure? What's their cholesterol? Have they suddenly gained loads of weight? Are they smoking? Are they drinking too much? And can we really hone in on these long-term health risks? That's just not a applicable for HRT prescribing, because it's clearly important when we look at risks and benefits, those factors come into play, but also long-term health risks of all cancers and long-term risk of stroke, thrombosis, heart disease. So we've got a really key opportunity here. So I think to say it's all about menopause is not correct. It's actually about long-term health and well-being. So I'd love, ideally, if I could create my beautiful idyll of <laughs> utopia yeah. Yeah, of, of women's health care would be to have a women's health review. Now, that doesn't have to be delivered by a GP necessarily. This is where your practice nurse team are phenomenal because they're the ones that normally pick these women up. They come for their smear test. It's a bit more uncomfortable or, well, I haven't had my smear test for a while or I didn't go for my mammogram because, frankly, I forgot. And yes, I've put on a few kilos and I'm less active. All these things come out in that review. And you've got a group of healthcare physicians who could really, really help those women and look at that long-term life benefit. And it would save the NHS money in the long run, wouldn't it? I was just having a conversation with some friends this morning going, oh, why didn't I start exercising and things in my 30s? And I thought, well, you know, better start in your 40s than not to start. It's never too late. And that's the thing. I think lots of women will get very despondent when they've been sedentary or had other things going on, but it's never too late to start and just do whatever you can as soon as you 
you realise it's important. And I'd encourage it at all ages, obviously. But sometimes it's that trigger when women have got other things going on to actually I need to overhaul my lifestyle here and make things better. And do you feel that attitudes from the clinical side of things are changing as much as they appear to be from the women's side of things? Mixed, India, on this one. I am a member of lots of different social media sites, as you are these days. And there's some fantastic doctor menopause sites that I belong to where lots of menopause specialists like me are looking at those posts from GPs who aren't menopause specialists, just saying, you know, I've had this patient, what are your thoughts? And we share our views, which is helpful for learning. We're not giving bespoke medical advice, but we're saying, you know, have a read of this link, or have you seen this article, or here's this paper that the British Menopause Society have released. And it's just sometimes about directing people to the right resources so they can further their learning. What really, really saddens me is posts I saw one the other week that said, I can't believe the exponential rise in women demanding menopause consultations from their GPs. It's just entitled women needing medical care for something that's entirely natural. And unfortunately, that view is still cemented in some of my healthcare professional colleagues, which I find very sad because this is not the mantra we should be running to. It should be very much that menopause affects women differently. And if women are struggling with symptoms, they should be supported in getting the right choice of treatment. That doesn't mean all women need HRT. It means that we should provide women with the right information so that they can make an informed decision about how they want to manage their menopause, which may be no treatment at all. And that's quite in their remit to do so. But you've got to give them choice. And feel that they're supported and that they can go to their local GPs and say, this is what I'm going through and not get gaslit or put down sometimes and feel that there is support there that they can they can access this information and access help when they need it. Yeah, and I think as a healthcare professional, this is where you have to be quite careful about manifesting your own personal views or your personal experience of your menopause on others. Because if you've had an amazing, empowering experience being menopausal with your periods finishing and it's a new phase of life and no contraception and you're really quite delighted by the fact that menopause has hit, but you've got a patient in front of you that doesn't have that experience, it's really important that you have a balanced, open perspective with that patient because they might have a completely different circumstance as to how those symptoms are affecting them. And it's not right to assume because you've had a breeze that that person will also have the same easy process and pathway through menopause. And that's where you've got to think about it in a balanced way. It's not the same for everybody. And I think that's true for all women, isn't it? We shouldn't judge how other people are coping or choosing to mitigate their symptoms by our own experiences because every woman's menopause is as unique as she is. So what would be your last piece of advice to a woman who's thinking, you know, maybe all these things going on with me is the start of menopause, but I'm nervous about going to my GP and being told it's depression or being told to just get on with it because it's part of growing old. What would you say to that woman? First thing, do your research. Use those apps, use those online questionnaires, read information from resources that are validated and evidence-based, like the British Menopause Society, like the Women's Health Concern website. If necessary, print them off, put links in an e-consult to your GP and say, I've been reading this, I'm going to come and talk to you about this, this is a heads up. Your GP won't feel unhappy that you've done that. It really starts the ball rolling and also plants the seed in that doctor or healthcare professional's mind that that's what you're coming in to talk about and that you've done your own research and added up lots of symptoms. So think about what you can do to arm yourself for that consultation. Read about different treatment options so that if you feel 
from talking to a friend or a colleague that you want to use a certain type of treatment, ask about that specifically. It may be completely the wrong treatment for you. But if you've got that question and you have that question answered in that consultation and that healthcare professional explains why maybe that is a good option for you or equally why it isn't a good option for you, you will go away feeling far more satisfied than if you haven't actually given that question in the first place because we're not mind readers, doctors. We need to know what you're thinking and what you want. And I'll often say to women, have you come with an idea about what kind of treatment you would like? And some women will have a treatment in mind which isn't appropriate or actually, no, I'm not going to give you this because your friend has X, Y, Z going on that's different. And that's why that treatment suits her. The other thing to say is find out from the GP receptionist who the best person is to speak to. They will know who the best person in the practice is. And don't expect to get all your answers at that first appointment necessarily. It might be a bit of information sharing and a bit of information giving from the other side to allow you to go away, assimilate some information and then come back when you've made that decision. There might be cases where actually you have everything sorted in the first consultation and you leave happy with whatever treatment you wanted. But allow a bit more time. Don't feel because you haven't got all the answers at that first appointment, that's it, door closed. It just might mean that you and your healthcare professional need a bit more time to work through this and make sure you're on the right tracks. No, I was going to say and write everything down. Go in with a list. Don't expect to remember everything that you want to ask about. I want to look at this type of treatment. Write it all down so that you've got it there in front of you and you can say, no, I'm not leaving until I've said all these things to you. And actually, you can do that in an email. You can send your GP an email in advance with lots of information on. And for me, that's always been helpful because I'll print that off and I'll make sure, you know, I've had your email. You had five questions. Can we just make sure we've answered those so you go away feeling that I've really addressed those queries that you have? Does that cover everything? So you're giving your GP far more time to prepare for that consultation. It's not coming out the blue. I always remember general practice feeling a bit like Forrest Gump. You never know what you're going to get. You know, you could go from a child that's got a runny nose to an elderly man that's in heart failure to a menopausal woman and then someone having suicidal thoughts. So you don't know often till the patients open their mouth what they're going to tell you. So if you give that information, pre-warned is pre-armed and that GP or whoever it is in that practice is going to have far more time to give you the information you want to know. So I didn't even know that was an option that you can email your GP prior to your appointment. It's information sharing. Yeah, absolutely. You may not use that as a way to respond to patients, but you can e-consult information. I have an appointment with you. These are the things I'm thinking and I'd really like these specific questions to be covered. If that goes into your GP, your GP has that on your record and then can go through that, particularly if you've got lots of things you want to discuss. Or it might be that your GP comes back on the back of that email and said, look, this isn't going to be a 10 minute consultation. Can we find a time where we can have a phone call and then come in see me or a phone call with a follow-up or allow a slightly longer appointment or it might be actually I'd really like you to see our practice nurse who's done menopause specialist training in the first instance and then come and see me when you've had an assessment with her so give your GP or your healthcare professional more information about what you're going in with and if you feel you're dissatisfied don't stop there look for someone else in that practice or ask for specialist input if you feel you really want to pursue this and you're being told it's not safe or that there's no option for you. Brilliant. That's the thing. And you can ask to be referred to a specialist. The majority of menopause care can be dealt with in primary care. Things that specialist referral are indicated for are, are women with very early menopause, women wanting testosterone, women whose regimes may be not working or they've got side effects, bleeding problems associated, women with complex medical history, women with a history of hormone sensitive cancer. So women who are not straightforward 
it's not always that they need to see a specialist because it might be a doctor like me that's working in general practice who can manage that. But if there's that uncertainty about safety of prescribing or further specialist input is needed, there's always the option to have a specialist referral if needed, if that patient feels that they need more answers and their GP can't provide those. And if the GP isn't giving you the answers you want, then just ask for a second opinion within the practice. I would say so, yes, because it's not just that you have to see one GP these days. You know, you've got the choice in your practice that most surgeries will have a more of an open list policy where you're not wedded to one particular GP only. And that's where general practice has changed very much that we, a lot of GPs will have specialist interests. So I'm a women's health specialist GP. That's what I'm passionate about. But I've worked in a practice where there was a dermatology special interest GP and a cardiology specialist interest. GP and someone who'd done a lot of pediatrics. Now, it didn't mean that all they saw was heart problems or skin problems or children, but it meant you had a system in place where internally you could ask each other for advice and support. And you also had a way of making sure that patients with more complex problems maybe saw the right doctor who had that special interest and extensive knowledge. And so if you've done all your research, you've got all your apps, you've uh, come armed, you should not take no for an answer. Absolutely. If you think you want to have some treatment and you're being told no, seek another opinion. And particularly if you've got questions that are left unanswered, There are patients where we would say, I really don't think that having HRT is a good idea for you. But it shouldn't just be no, go away. It should be these are the reasons why, but you could have these alternatives. And I think that's where it's often very difficult, particularly for women with breast cancer, is that the HRT is not necessarily the best option for them. That door closes and then they're told there's nothing more I can do, which is not correct. There are lots of different options that they can use. And so for those women, it's that recoil of, oh, gosh, no one can help me. And that happens not just with women who've had cancer. So I would say look for another route, look at those other doctors in the practice, look at the practice nurse team and see if there's someone that you can tap for more information and more support. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Katie. As ever, you are just so easy to talk to and so full of knowledge. And we will be discussing breast cancer in our next chat. But once again, thank you so much. Thanks, India. that all GPs were as knowledgeable and as lovely as Dr Katie. But hopefully, things are finally changing for the better. You'll find links to the British Menopause Society and Women's Health Concern websites and the Balance app in the show notes. Next time, I'm talking to Lou and Lizzie, two lifelong friends, about how much it helped to have one another to talk to when trying to pin down their perimenopausal symptoms, how they tried every supplement and lifestyle change before HRT, as the fear of hitting a brick wall from their GP stopped them seeking help sooner. But then actually, the reality wasn't that bad. If you want to be more Orca, head to bemoreorcapod.co.uk. For all the latest on what's coming up, I've cherry-picked articles to keep you informed so you don't have to sift through the news. And become a member. Tell me what matters to you and what questions you want answering. Help shape the pod and help other women just like you so we never have to feel like we're going it alone again. And if you've liked this episode, please subscribe as it helps with those pesky algorithms and lets others find us and become part of our pod. And follow me at b.more.orca for my no-filter menopause diary. Menopause Diary